Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, as free agency marches on, a couple more signings trickle through. The Avalanche make a few more moves. It's hard to go wrong to just go back to the well sometimes. Jack Johnson's back. Of course he was never going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's so funny that three years ago at this point, if we would have signed Jack Johnson, everyone would be freaking the fuck out. But Raise, that was yeah, me. That was you. He has turned into just a very solid player for the Colorado. He fits well in the system. He comes back on a league bend deal. I I don't hate it. I still would love to get another defenseman in there and make Jack Johnson like your sixth or seventh defenseman. But overall, I mean, you know what you're getting with Jack Johnson. He's just solid, and that's exactly what you need for this team. Yeah, I mean, for it's the internet. People are going to freak out about everything. I saw a lot of people freaking out like this isn't enough. They need more than Jack Johnson's. Like, I know, but. Jack Johnson has been shockingly fine in all of his avalanche tenures outside of like a handful of games. And every time he's come in, we've had the conversation of this guy has earned a spot in the playoffs for game one. And if he didn't get hurt before the playoffs in game one against Seattle, he would have done it again. Yeah. And if he it would, wasn't... He's just, he's a perfect fit for us. And yeah. I, I don't hate the sign. I, we still need another defenseman for sure. But Jack Johnson alone is a solid pickup, and it's a league min deal. Yeah, it's league minimum for a guy that everybody likes in the locker room. And if he was, like, legitimately bad, I'd be more concerned about it. Every time he's come here, he has come into the lineup and done exactly what he's supposed to do. He's not overplayed his role. He's not just been a turnover machine after we got him at the deadline last year like i really thought that like maybe it's over for him and this one might not go well after his stretch in chicago he came in and was great yeah he was absolutely fantastic as a sixth defenseman so i don't think they're done elliot friedman on 32 thoughts said the abs are probably still poking around for depth defenseman right now don't know who that could be as there's not too many options left but even if nothing happens i was saying this on twitter the other day even if nothing happens a 6-7 of Jack Johnson and Brad Hunt is not the worst thing in the world, especially when your first five is so loaded, of course, assuming that Josh Manson can come back healthy. And I wouldn't be opposed to spending maybe some more of that money onto the forward core if you can. If you have to squeeze every last cent of the salary cap onto this roster, I'd prefer maybe a little that, little more of that, excuse me, goes to the forwards because I'm okay with Jack and Hunt as six, seven. It's not perfect by any means, but you might be able to get by at least for the start of the season. Would you rather have had Jack Johnson or Calvin DeHaan who signed in Tampa Bay for the league men? Well, Calvin DeHaan, I think is a lefty and lefty is a bit full for us. I mean, if you're asking me just straight up, it's DeHaan. he's younger and probably a bit more of an everyday defenseman. Jack is more familiar with the system and can fit more on the right side. But I mean, there's a there's a couple of guys that I look at and go, that guy probably could have fit here just fine, especially for that price. But we have to remember with free agency that you don't 
just get to decide where everybody wants to go. And like, well, why didn't we do this? Why didn't they come here? I don't know. I'm sure it was talked about. I'm sure if I can identify it as a fit, I'm sure smart people who run the team identified it too. Lots of teams make runs at players, but at the end of the day, they can only go to one place. Yeah. And the player gets to choose ultimately what's best for them and their family. So yeah, I just saw that and I was like, oh, that's interesting. They both well, are. Th- well, they Cal- both, Calvin yeah. DeHaan was a guy that I constantly had when I was building teams on cap friendly before yeah. the offseason started. Like that was always my guy. Like, yep. Third pair guy. Love that. Yeah. The only thing with DeHaan is he gets hurt so fucking much like that. That's Let's where right in. <laughs> Welcome home. Oh, Jack Johnson, to his credit, played all 84 games he appeared in last year, I believe. I believe uh, so. he, he played an extra game with Chicago. So uh, I, I do think Jack Johnson has a little bit more of the reliability, which is funny to say when he's, what, 38 years old? Yeah, he's 36 right now. He'll be 37 in January. Yeah. did I, I don't know if I told this story on the pod. I may have told you. I was watching like a repeat of like a World Juniors like gold medal game. And Jack Johnson was in it and they gave him a penalty shot. Like he, in the penalty shootout, he was one taking the penalty shot. And I was like, what fucking world is this that Jack Johnson is taking fucking penalty shots, man? And he was like the third or fourth shooter. It was crazy. Well, you look at his, his world juniors back in 06 and 07. He had goals in those runs. Like there was a time where Jack Johnson was not just the. Butt of the joke. Yeah, butt of the joke, I guess you call it. There was a time in Columbus that he was like a respected top four defenseman. It really wasn't until analytics started to become more popular that people kind of soured on him. And it was when he went to Pittsburgh and got that deal that he became a laughingstock. And then with the Rangers, he was awful. And then when he came here, that's where it got into my head that this guy is just awful. One of the worst players in the NHL. Why are you doing this? turns out if the guy fits in a system he can do just fine yeah what did pittsburgh sign him to wasn't it like four years like five million yeah it was oh where is this it was five years 3.25 good for jack johnson man good yeah. for jack like he just cleaned up right there so he, he made it about two years into that deal i mean still respect that is that is good for jack johnson go secure your bag king what was his deal with uh, – because he had a deal with uh, L.A. and then his parents like stole all of his money, right? Something – I'm fuzzy on the exact details of that story, but he had a seven-year contract with the Kings, and it was 4.3. So consider 2010, where the salary yeah. cap was at that point. To get a seven-year contract at four, that's probably more akin to getting like six or seven nowadays. Yeah. Good for Jack Johnson, man, except your parents stole all your money, which – fuck yeah. those yeah. parents. But – um it's it's just one of those things like I, I have no problem with it. I still think we need to add another defenseman, but it's a league men deal. You don't tie up a lot of salary cap in Jack Johnson and you know what he can do in your system. Yeah. And like you consider that you consider Brad Hunt was able to step in several times last season and be passable. And there's a real wild card in Sam Malinsky right now where no one really knows what he's going to be this season. He could be a guy that just sticks around the AHL for the Eagles all year could be a guy that really challenges for a spot and maybe gets one later in the season, could also be a guy who could win it out of camp where he's impressed enough so far and is already 25 years old that that's a real possibility that maybe Belinsky can come in here and challenge some of these veterans for a job and maybe win. And you don't have to go out and go spend money. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that I'd rather spend this leftover money on the forward core and just strengthen that because 
I think with the Avs defensive system, they can really much plug and play any defenseman. That's and they'll how, be that's how I always feel about it. It's like we have such a strong five from Kale McCarr down all the way to Josh Manson's that like if you don't spend a ton of money on your six, I feel like you can get away. I mean, this is the reality of the salary cap world. You're going to have to nickel and dime somewhere. It's what we've seen with the forward core. They're kind of squeezing every last ounce of value they can out of all these contracts. If you have to maybe spend a little bit less on six, seven, I think that's fine. So long as they're not terrible and single-handedly sinking your defense. But with the limited amount of money that you're going to have after Ross Colton, which we'll talk about him later on today, probably around three and a half million dollars left. Like they're going to spend that. They're not going to walk into the season with three and a half million dollars left to spend. They're not one of those teams. Yeah, They won't do that. So it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. But. Overall, I feel good about Jack Johnson coming back. I mean, it's good to still have one Johnson on the team, so we'll we'll take that. But uh, I did, before we dive into the the next topic, I wanted to talk about this because, uh, frankly, no one cares, but I am doing an NHL franchise. That's a great way to start your topic. I know, I know. People will find it funny. I want to get your reaction as like an armchair GM for what I did here. So my NHL franchise – Coming off the year, we won the Stanley Cup, beat the Maple Leafs in six. I don't know why. That's, the how, NHL... that's how you know it's a video game, Leafs. Yeah, I know, because the Leafs keep making it. Uh, Nathan McKinnon won the Conn Smythe. That was great. In my off season, I let basically all the abs free agents go that left just to make the team as realistic as possible going in. But we get to the draft, and guess who had the number one overall pick? It's, it's NHL. There's so many teams that just... It's the Washington Capitals had the number one overall that pick. That was... <laughs> Starting to fall into my head. I was like, why else would he bring this up? So the Caps had the number one pick. And as a GM who I don't know how long my tenure is going to last, I offer them three first round picks and Alex Newhook for the first overall pick. And I got it. I got it. So I have Connor Bedard on my team now with Nathan McKinnon and then Ross Colton's my third line center. It's great. Um, from specific value, how do you think I did on that trade? Uh, I think you did pretty good. You know, yeah, know. Uh, we'll we'll see what this Connor Bedard kid can do in the future for us. You know, starting to maybe mortgage that future a little bit, but you know, yeah, three overall, first round picks is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, but, you know, those might be like three straight thirty second overall picks. You never yeah. know what kind of value you're going to get out of that. Could, could you imagine if I add like if Bedard was added to this lineup on a rookie contract? <laughs> I, the, NH, the NHL would step in. I, would, I, I, I legitimately think Gary Bent would be like, no, that's not happening. I that's I loved it. And it's it's made the season more fun. I'm only like 10 games in. And it's just like, oh, I can just roll out Connor Bedard with Arturi Lekkinen and Valdejushkin. <laughs> like, this, yeah. is, this is pretty gross. Second line um, center? Don't. Yeah. This is our second line center now. You know what is weird, though? In the game, they have Fransos as a higher rated overall than Georgiev. So I always have to change it so that Georgiev is the starter. Yep. How it, weird is that, right? Yep. EA Sports NHL known for their attention to details. They yeah. get they get all the little things right. That's what makes the game so fun and playable. Yeah, it, it, it actually who's... I I do enjoy. It. They did do something cool when you win the cup. You can choose who you pass it to. That was pretty cool. Um, was in the game ten years ago. Yeah, I mean I enjoy it. I, I'm having a fun time. It's the off season. I'm man. glad. I'm, I'm glad one of us can enjoy it because <laughs> I, for those of you who are new, I find the NHL games absolutely unbearable. I know, shocking me, bastion of hope and optimism that I am, don't enjoy this thing. But 
it, it's super fun. I just wanted to get your reaction because uh, I had texted you about it and you never texted me back. And I, I had okay. to talk in to my someone defense, about it. You did text me that. I was also asleep because you texted me at 1.30 in the morning. I mean, yeah, but Connor Bedard for three first-round picks and Alex Newhook. What were the Caps doing? I fleeced them, man. I fleeced them. You've done it again, Christian. Yeah. But the worst part about it was is Byram had a great year and he played all 82 games for me. I had to sign him to a four-year deal at $6 million as an RFA. I mean, you could have signed him to something else. You're the GM. I I could have, but I I couldn't. I mean, he just his face was staring at me at the negotiation table, and I was like, four years, six million. You got it, Bo. You got it, Bo. But my team is like right against the cap. It's tough. I'm not gonna be able to make any trade deadline acquisitions. But yeah, that's where we're at in the offseason. I'm playing hockey in a video game form, and I'm trying my best to be a GM and build the best team possible. So, excellent. Yeah, I I have no prospect pool. None. They're all gone. All gone. You have Bedard. What do you, yeah. have, what do you need a prospect pool for when you're winning cups? Yeah, it was great. But I had to tell that story just because I haven't been able to talk to anyone about this fucking juggernaut I'm building in Colorado right now. You're, you're doing a great job. We're all, <laughs> we're all very proud of you, Christian. And they also make Ross Colton fucking dirty in that game. He is so good. I love So is that a good transition to talk about what happened with Ross Colton today? It's great transition. Thank you. Thank Ross you. Colton today. So, I mean, Ross Colton, still an RFA with the Avalanche, technically their last bit of business that they have to take care of before the season starts. He files for player-elected arbitration today. So, for everyone freaking out, let's break down what that actually means. What that essentially means is that it guarantees that Ross Colton will have a contract before the season starts. One way or another, he is going to have a deal. This just places a deadline on it for they can still agree to a contract before it goes to arbitration and a neutral salary arbitrator decides what Ross Colton would get on a one to two year contract that the team and player can either say okay to or walk away from. Worst case scenario is the team walks away and Colton becomes an RFA. I cannot name a time that's ever happened. I cannot think of one. I think it's only happened in baseball. I don't know if it's – it's probably happened in the NHL, but I agree with you. I haven't heard of it recently. Yeah, I I cannot remember one off the top of my head where that's ever happened. And just because someone files for arbitration does not mean anything has happened. This is like the one thing RFAs get in terms of like negotiating against teams. It can be like, well, I think an arbitrator will give me more. And yeah. that's it. Like that – doesn't mean anything. He might be signed tomorrow. Devon Tays did this exact same thing when we acquired him, and it didn't even come close to arbitration. Everything was fine. This is just what RFAs do. This doesn't mean anything. You can even look at this optimistically. Like I said, it guarantees he's going to have a contract one way or another before the season starts. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Yeah, I think the last Avs player who like actually went to was Ryan O'Reilly. Right. I think that was the last one, and he signed a two-year deal at that point. I think it was two years, $12 million after that. So it may not be the best for the player and front office relationship, but I I don't think Avs fans need to worry at all. I think this is going to end up being just fine. It's just a – it's like – it's just a business step. It's yeah. nothing crazy. It's just what happens when you're an RFA. And like I said, it's like the only negotiation power they have is is this. Right. And it's also worth knowing like 22 other players filed yeah. for arbitration. So this is not just like the microscope is on Colton. Like 
Noah Cates did it with the Flyers. Duhamey did it with the Wild. Vince Dunn, Cal Fleury, Philip Gustafson with the Wild, which is a much more important case. Ilya Samsonov did it with the Leafs. Jeremy Swayman did it with the Bruins. Troy Terry, Gabe Velarde. Lots of players do it all the time. And it's even rare for it to even go to arbitration. Like, I can maybe remember, like, a couple off the top of my head. I don't even remember which players it were, but I remember, like, three actually went before a judge and most of the time they're they're just not even going to reach it ross colton's going to be signed long before that deadline and sometimes it's good to just have a deadline it makes people work and makes people actually try to get a deal done so as long of as that of those players you just listed who's the one that you think is like the most interesting one I think it's probably Samsonov or Jeremy Swayman. It's the goalies, obviously. It's Gustafson, Samsonov, Swayman. Terry's interesting with the Ducks, and also Vince Dunn, I think, could be very interesting with the the Kraken. But, I mean, Ross Colton, I don't think, is even going to be up there for that much, even if this does go to arbitration. What's an arbitrator going to give him? Because this is what we've talked about. He's had 30 points in his career. He's been a high 30s player. What are they going to give him? 3.5-ish? That's what makes me think. It's, it's, I think that's high. That's I think if I mean. it actually goes to arbitration, I think he'd get lower. That's what I mean. Like, I think we don't really have anything to worry about. I think both sides are going to come to a deal probably pretty fast because an arbitrator is probably going to just sit in the middle and probably give them three and a half. Maybe I feel like they tend to go high for the players. I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't even think this is even anything worthy of discussion after it's this. a news story on July 5th. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised they didn't news dump this on the, the 3rd of July. Right. Like, I'm really surprised they didn't do it. They waited till the 5th of July when everyone went back to work. Right. So, you know, it's just, this is the one thing you get to actually Tanner Janot could be pretty interesting with Tampa because I hope that goes sour because that'd be really funny. Yeah. After all they gave up for him. Yeah. One that I, I think Vince Dunn's super interesting because he had a career year. Uh, so did Samsonov. Um, Obviously, Gustafson with the Wild is interesting, but I, I'm really interested to see what Vince Dunn gets because he had his first really good year this year, and he seems to be on the up and up. And then Will Borgen, too, is pretty interesting as well. So the Kraken have a lot of players on here. Three. The Kraken, the Kraken have had a very weird offseason because they let a lot of guys go and then like didn't really replace them. They signed, right. they signed Yamamoto, which could be interesting, but they, they signed let- a defenseman, too. They signed uh, Dumoulin from yeah. Pittsburgh. They signed him to like a 3.15 deal. He's fine. He's been in Pittsburgh for a long time, but it's like I thought the Kraken were going to start, you know, making some moves here and start really trying to to upgrade this team. Gets a little more, a little more explosive, but yeah. I think they're just kind of content to wait for Beneers to break out. Which is fine. I mean, Beneers, and then you figure, yeah, I remember Shane Wright. Hopefully, we'll get to play in the NHL this year, which will be good for them. Yeah, and then Wright. they have they have a pretty loaded prospect pool. Like when we when I watched the Hershey Bears and Coachella Thunderbirds AHL final, like Firebirds. it was Firebirds. Did I say Thunderbirds? Yeah. Um, the Firebirds, like the the Kraken, have a pretty good pipeline. So yeah. they've, I mean, they've done the opposite of what Vegas did and actually drafted players. Yeah, and they're holding on to some of those players. So I mean, I think the Kraken are very sustainable. It's just I I oh, expected yeah. them to maybe come into this offseason, maybe spend a little bit more because they have the third most cap space in the NHL. They have fourteen million dollars still left to spend, which, which is basically like a hundred million dollars in today's NHL. That is so much money. Yeah, like they have, they're like the only team 
besides the Blackhawks and the Coyotes, that's not the Ducks. The Ducks are six, still six million beneath the cap floor right now. Really, that's kind of surprising because yeah. with the contracts they gave out last summer, like and you would think they'd be closer. That's just how much money's walked out the door for them. They're still sick. They have $28 million in cap space right now. So when we talk about the Kalorn signing, it's like, okay, well, it's not that bad. I mean, considering the fact that they just have that much money to throw around. It's like, I'm like, why are they going out and signing Radko Gudis? So like, well, they need to sign people to play for them and they need to actually hit the floor. And like, but they still also have to sign Terry. They still have to sign Zegers and they still have to sign Drysdale and Lucas Dostal. So, I mean, they, they're going to hit that, I imagine, yeah. for the next little bit. That cap space might dry up quicker than we think. Yeah, speaking of the Ducks, that, that whole John Gibson story was hilarious. That's so funny because like, I found that language of him, for people that don't know, it was reported by Frank Saravalli on a show that I feel bad that I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but basically said that, yeah, John Gibson said he's never going to play a game for the Ducks ever again. And that starts going around and that starts circling again. And then... John Gibson's agent and his representation basically tweets out a thing saying that like, Hey, that's not true at all. This is basically a lie. And then Frank Serfali comes back again with like, Hey, remember the last time you said I was lying. And it was about like the coyotes. And he said they hired someone and they wrote a whole statement saying they didn't hire them. And then they did hire him anyway. It's like, they're, it's just great. Like that, I love the fact that John Gibson basically wrote a fancy version of a notes app for <laughs> this statement. From his uh, agent, that, basically, yeah, yeah, from his agent. That was great. Um, it was funny because maybe they wanted that news to get out and there to be like mass, like we want John Gibson. Yeah, I think most people, wasn't. yeah, there wasn't like there was like no one who was like, I don't want to pay John Gibson that much money for the last. <laughs> I was like, four yeah, years I mean, John, I'm sure John Gibson's fine, but he's, he hasn't been good in like four years. Okay, so here is the statement. So basically, the on July 1st, the Nasty Knuckles podcast episode was released with an inaccurate report by Frank Saravalli that John Gibson of the Anaheim Ducks had stated he refused to play another game for the Anaheim Ducks on behalf of and at the request of my client john gibson we would like to clearly state this statement is false unjust and inflammatory frank cervelli did not reach out to the player nor myself to fact check the accuracy of this comment my client has never stated to any member of the anaheim ducks front office such statement gibson is honored to be a member of the anaheim ducks and is committed supporter of its fan base as well as the ducks community and then frank cervelli crap Clap! Uh, God, I, I read that whole thing just fine, but I can't talk myself. <laughs> can't say clap back. <laughs> I can't say clap back. And saying, "Hey, Kurt, do you remember the last time you attempted to claim my reporting was false?" All the best. And it was basically back when his John Gibson's agent tweeted about David Ludwig accepting a position with the Coyotes, saying that was false. And then the Coyotes announced that hiring like three days later. That's awesome. That's great. So they're it's just right now. Dude, our, how cool would it be if our podcast name was in one of those? I mean, I hope it's in a good way. Dude, that's free promotion, man. Yeah, like, free promotion. The, the Nasty Knuckles, those guys didn't do anything. It was Frank Saravalli on their show. Yeah, like, can that. you imagine we just have someone on and they just drop, like, like yeah, he's never going to play for this team again. And then all of a sudden we get like 10,000 listeners. That'd be so cool, dude. I That's a goal of mine now is to get fucking – the our name in one of those 
And it's just yeah, from one of our guests yeah, saying in something. A, yeah, just in a press release. Somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would be cool. But overall, like, John Gibson is like a, a good goalie, but he's paid way too much fucking money. And he's any team that takes him is they, the Ducks would have to retain half. And I just don't think any team would be willing to do that. It's just a, it just feels like this contract with him never ends. I forgot he signed it in 2018. Yeah. And it's only halfway. We're entering year five of this contract now. Yeah. At 6.4. Last time he was above a 910 was 2019. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I know the ducks haven't been great, but come on. Yeah, that's rough. So I found that story very funny because it's just one of those, like, it's just, I love when a reporter has to defend themselves and that shit always cracks me up. So, um, I, I I tend to side with Frank Saravalli more because that dude does get a lot of shit, right? So, I mean, sometimes he, he, he has his moments of good and bad. Yeah. Mostly good though. Yeah. Mostly good. So, I mean, it's like, that's a that's a pretty hard report to drop on like a guest appearance on a podcast like right. yeah, John Gibson's never going to play for this team again. That I feel, I think, I feel like that's something you should probably like, you know, do on your own podcast or like yeah. about or announce ever instead. That's of- what I'm saying, dude, if like if we had a guest who did that on our show, like that would just be so great for for listeners. <laughs> like I would love that. Yeah, but, like we like we legitimately didn't do anything wrong, but we just enjoy the free advertising. Yeah, and so, we enjoy the free clicks of people just listening to the show. Yeah, and you bring Frank back on again to talk about it. Yeah, more. and then people, oh, that would be great. That'd be great. That's a goal of ours for 2023. We need to be involved in more drama. We need to be yeah. more, more shit stirs in the future. Yeah, we need we should just tell tell Raj next time he comes on, like just say something completely ludicrous and yeah, just ruin, see if he ruin your career. Just like <laughs> Yeah, can you ruin your career real quick just so we can get like a few more click? Trust me, it'd be really funny. It'd be great for engagement. <laughs> dude, trust this would be so sick for engagement. Dude. It'd be great for us. Advertisers uh, are gonna love this one. Yeah. But uh yeah, that was a funny story. And then just put a bow on the Ross Colton thing. What what do you think the contract is that he signs? I, I imagine it's probably three to four years, probably around three million dollars, three and a half million dollars. I like that. I'm going to go just to be different. I think four years, 2.85. I think that's kind of cheap, but I mean, considering what we're acquiring Ross Colton to do, I think the expectation is he's going to go well above his point totals over the next few years. And you're probably going to have to maybe pay him a little more than it would look like he's worth on paper just to, to lock that down. Now see what it's the same thing we talked about with miles woods. Like once the cap starts going up like three, 3.5, it's probably going to be the going rate for third liners in yeah. prime kind of is right now, but it's right. going to seem even more like that when the cap goes up to $90 million in the near future. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that, but let's move on to, to the sad news of the day. Uh, it was news regarding the abs. It's not official yet, but all reports are indicating that Darren Helm has played his last hockey game. Um, I didn't think I'd be bummed out by him retiring when we signed him, but after he did all he did for the Avs in their cup run, it, it it's kind of a, I feel bummed that he even came back last year. I kind of wish he would have just retired after last year. I know. I mean, he played what nine games 
last year. I mean, he did get paid a million dollars to play nine he games. Got, he, he got an extra million dollars out of the deal. So, I mean, you can't feel too bad for him that he didn't go out on top because it's not like he sullied his reputation here or anything like that. He's almost feels like a part of a completely different team because he was and scores the one of the biggest goals in Avs history, the helm breaker against the Blues in the second round, the center of the conference final is a just a beast of a man against Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup final. And it's like I say, it's probably almost better for his reputation that he didn't play this year and still got his money, still got paid and played nine games. And we're all just left wondering the entire season. Like, man, imagine how much better this team would be if we had Darren Helm on it, right? Yeah, which another one of those signings, you would have never thought like how much Darren Helm would mean to the team. But he turned out to be just a great addition to the team. And I wish selfishly that he could come back and play one more year because I do think he has the game still. It's just his body is not allowing him to. Yeah. Like he, he, he just, he was never able to recover from that core surgery. And then he came back and he hurt it again. And then he came back again in the playoffs. And then the, who was it? Was it Borgen who slew footed him? Probably. Yeah. I think he it was Borgen. That. And he just never got to play. And it's, he was just a perfect fourth liner for the abs. Like the, epitome of what a good fourth line center is yeah he was just the finishing touch on what was just an absolutely loaded roster now that we're a couple years removed from that run you're starting to see the history on it and how that's starting to unfold it's like when we acquired ryan johansson them basically just saying like we were never beating the avalanche that's yeah. as close, that's as close to an unstoppable team as we've ever played and now that edmonton has lost to vegas this year the narrative on them losing to the abs has turned into is like we were never beating that team. They were just so much better than us. Now that they're removed from the jealousy and put it on Vegas. Now that's kind of what their narrative has turned into now. And Darren Helm is just such a big part of that. Just like after trying to shut down McKinnon and Rantanen and Kadri and Landis Gog and Burakovsky for basically half the game, you think you get a break with the fourth line, but the way they played in the playoffs, especially Darren Helm, it's just like, you have got to be fucking kidding me with these guys. They just he was never such stopped. a beast in the playoffs, dude. Like, you could make a legitimate argument that the line of O'Connor, Helm, and Cogliano was the Avs' best line throughout the playoffs. Yeah. You because could make it, that argument. It's the line that I think broke team spirit. Yeah. It's just like you are facing that three-headed monster of lines one, two, three with the Avs. And you think, okay, the fourth line's coming on there. And they just... Push your face in the toilet. They were the hardest working line that the Avs had. And I mean, look at it. You go to the game six against St. Louis. Who's on the ice in the last 15 seconds of the game? Yeah. It's the fourth line with Gabe Landeskog. Like that's that who's out. You felt confident whenever that fourth line was out there that they're not even like they aren't just simply going to hold the lead. They could extend the lead by themselves. And you go to game was it game four against Tampa Bay where Nico Sturm scores the goal to tie it? I mean, or Andrew Cogliano scores it. Darren Helm gets an insist on that play. Yeah. Like that line was as big of a reason why the Avs won the cup as Nathan McKinnon, Val Nachushkin, Gabriel Landeskog, Miranda. Like that line was the difference maker for them winning that championship. Yeah. Game two against Tampa Bay. Part of the reason that game got to be such a blowout was because of Darren Helm and how well he was playing. And the fourth line just bullying Tampa yeah, and just frustrating the shit out of them. It's like, you're so exhausted from defending the avalanche's stars. And then it's like, who thought Darren Helm could still be moving like this? Are you kidding me? He's skating circles around guys. He's running through people. He's sniping on Andre Vasilevsky on a rush. It's, it's ridiculous. Just how well 
that mixture worked in Colorado with just Cogliano, Helm, Logan O'Connor. Just it doesn't sound like much, but we might Dude, not. We wanted that line all year. That's we all might, we were asking if for that all was year. Our, was that if line. that was our third line last year, we yes. would have been over the moon. And yes. we might we might not see a fourth line as good as that for like the remainder of this like Avalanche championship window. I hope we do. But for one to work that well for that much value and work that deep into the playoffs, it's hard to find a mixture like that. Yeah, it, it was great. I, I'm i going to miss Darren Helm. Uh, it's one of those things, though. Like, do you think he'll be remembered more as a Red Wing or an Av? He, he, he was there for like, what, 13, yeah, 12 was. years with the Red Wings. He won a cup there, too. Yeah. I mean, we'll always remember him as just like, holy shit, remember Darren Helm and just how awesome that guy is? Like, he was a big part of the Red Wings for a long time. I mean, it won't, it doesn't help that the last several years of his tenure, he had a super long contract, just like everyone else that everyone saw is like holding the team back and whatever, but he scored the goal in 2000. It was eight or nine. I forget which weird they beat the Blackhawks. Was it nine? I think, yes, it was 2000. Yeah, it was nine. They, he scored that goal in the Western conference final that sent them to the Stanley cup final in game five. So He's always going to have that moment in Detroit. He hoisted the Stanley Cup there. He went to another Stanley Cup final. He was there through all the hard times. He's going to be remembered fondly in multiple places, which is something that several players can just not say, especially for a guy who's a career bottom sixer. Like that's that's unbelievable. Darren Helm's just a born and raised winner. Yeah, it's just really good. And I wouldn't like He's going to go into retirement and probably just not do anything just because he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that would go do media. But he he was solid for the abs, and I kind of wish that, uh, selfishly, that he was coming back for one more year just because I, I do still think he could be a key contributor on a team. I just I love looking at his stat lines. Like, yeah, he had two goals in the playoffs, and one of them is just the most important goals in abs history, and the other one is just him just dancing up the ice and sniping on Vasilevsky. Andre Vasilevsky, yeah, and like, that's seven crazy. Nothing, seven nothing blowout. It's just crazy. I love that guy so much. I wish well, the best for him in retirement. But that's just one of those things like you talked about. It, it's not about the stats for him. We knew he added so much more to the team than just goal scoring and point. Production. He was just a rock solid fourth line penalty killer who just kicked ass and took names. Yep. Just a real stand up guy. Wish the best for him in retirements because he's he's earned it. Yeah. And it this feels weird because we were expecting it. We we talked about this like the moment he got hurt before the season. We're like, this is probably it for Darren Helm. We talked about this a lot during the entire season. But now that it's official, you're like, damn. Yeah, it's kind of sucks. Like you, yeah. you knew it was coming and it still sucks. Yeah. It's like you we never made any plans that Darren Helm was going to return to this team, but you always have that little voice in the back. He's like, yeah, but what if he does? And then you get that fourth line back. Cogliano's still here and O'Connor's still here. So what if you just put him back together and everything's, it's, everything's just 2022 again? Everything. I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw O'Connor's play kind of drop off when he didn't have Darren Helm as a partner on his line. Yeah. I don't think that's a surprise. I mean, I also think it's just Logan O'Connor plays such a thankless role where yeah. it's just like he's not offensively gifted or anything like that. He's not going to put in a ton of goals or go snipering or, or anything like that. He's just such a solid defensive player that you, you sometimes all you can see is his goal scoring droughts and you think he isn't playing very well when in reality, like if he wasn't on the penalty kill, this team would probably be drowning. Yeah, that's true. But I, I thought Darren Helm brought out the best in him too. So yeah. 
Best of luck, Darren Helm. We'll miss you. Reti- no, I was going to say retire December, but <laughs> now we're good. <laughs> we're good. But uh, I think that's all the abs news we have. I mean, has Dennis Mulgan signed anywhere? He has not signed anywhere else. But speaking of guys, I'm going to miss Evan Rodriguez signs mm. with the Florida Panthers. Four years, $3 million, And that one sucks because that this feels like Brandon Saad to me. Whereas I really wish we could have found a way to keep this guy, but also 3 million bucks. Yeah. Probably could have. They probably could have, but I, it, that, that's what makes me think they have something else planned because you don't just let a guy like that who was productive in your system, walk out the door for a pretty reasonable contract. I don't know. Some, sometimes that stuff just happens. I mean, maybe not everything has a direct plan behind it. And maybe Florida was just willing to give the extra year that the abs weren't or something like that. I I think fairly or unfairly miles wood is going to be compared to to Evan Rodriguez throughout his time, which I think is a little unfair because they're different players. Rodriguez is going to play more of a top six role in Florida, maybe even a little more at center, which is what the Panthers definitely need more of. I thought Erod was going to get more than three and that's why he wasn't going to come back. And one is, a little bit like, man, I, I really wish we could have found a way to make that work. But also at the same time, it's like we mentioned, there's a log jam right now where you got Drewan. Is he going to play left wing or center? Is Colton? He's probably playing center, but he also can play left wing. So no matter how you sliced it, there was it just didn't seem like there's room left for Erod, even if there, the money could have worked. Yeah, I agree. I mean, three is a very reasonable contract. I bet you they probably only offered him like two years and he, he could double it and he gets to go live in Florida. Like that's, that's but that's all, that's also the thing is I know there's someone screaming right now. It's like Florida has no income tax. So basically the abs would have to offer more, which is true. That definitely is something that you have to factor in. But if it's three and a half, was it that much worse? It's a million dollar pay raise. Yeah. I don't disagree. It's one of those ones that you kind of, you scratch your head and go, hmm, that would have been, a good piece to add or bring because back. When I first saw it, all I saw was the money in the term. I was like, oh, so we must have done that. Surely. And I was like, oh, he went to Florida. Okay. Well, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's one that I wish we could have found a way to make work because I've been very adamant in just how well I think Evan Rodriguez works on this team. Also, what is this revisionist history that Rodriguez was bad against Seattle? Where does that come from? Because that's it, just not true at all. He was one yeah, of the few players you could look at in that series and go, he's one of the few actually playing well. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I don't know where that revisionist history is coming from. Maybe it's just people coping with the fact that we lost him. But I, I completely agree. He was he was outstanding every night. Like he wasn't scoring, but he was at least impactful. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, again, with Miles Wood, I feel like there's that conversation. Of, well, would you rather have had Evan Rodriguez or, or Miles Wood? Miles Wood is a guy the Avalanche have been targeting for a long time. That's basically what McFarland said, talking about him after they got him. And a lot of the reaction from around the league is that a lot of teams wanted him too. And you look at the term, bringing that price down to two and a half. I think Miles Wood is going to be fine. And I think you have to separate your feelings sometimes. Like Evan Rodriguez and Miles Wood are not the same player. They're going to serve different roles. And Wood, I think, is going to be great in the bottom six, hopefully on that third line. But Evan Rodriguez, again, I just thought he worked so well in the top six with Nathan McKinnon. And for 
that contract, I felt like it would have been very good value. But also there were times last year where Erod was not very good. There yep. were times where his scoring dried up and he didn't look particularly great out on the ice. Can you really afford to lock that up for four years? I think it's a very fair conversation to be having. And I also think he fits very well with Florida and what they're trying to do. And now all of a sudden, one of the biggest problems with Florida the whole season and once it got deeper into the playoffs is that they don't have great depth. They were able to get it for a little while that carried them to the final. But when it came down to it against Vegas, they really could have used a guy like Evan Rodriguez in that series because Vegas was just running them out of town. Yeah, I think it's a great sign. I think Erod's going to fit in there well. And he went to, again, a team that I don't hate, so I'm cool with it. I mean, I'm indifferent on Florida. I feel like every time we play them, I I go on my rants about God, this team is annoying. But I'm I'll soften on them for for Erod's sake. I mean, he'll he'll probably go up and down the second and third line for them, and probably just work pretty well there. I mean, if he breaks out this season, we're all just going to hear about like all oh, the ads made a mistake on this. Yeah. One. Look at that Miles Wood contract. Well, what's breaking out for him? Fifty points. I mean, how many did he have last year? Thirty nine. Yeah. I mean, if he gets that, I mean, it's kind of just tip your cap and go. I mean, I mean, let's say he get, puts four more goals on the board that put him at 43 and seven more assists. And he gets 50 points out of it. I mean, maybe. Maybe. And I'm I'm going to miss Erod. I, I'm not going to say that just I'm okay with losing him because I'm not. I think he would have fit well here. I would have still liked to have him for a good value in the top six because I just thought he fit perfectly anywhere in the lineup. You know, I don't, but I don't have to understand every move. I'm not the GM. I don't see things that they see. The scouting staff has very clearly identified Miles Wood and they have tried to get this guy for years and they were finally able to do it. I can't argue with that. Those are the guys in charge. Those are the guys that make the money. And with Evan Rodriguez, maybe four years, they just thought to carry him into 33 for a guy who got 39 points for you last year was too much. I agree. I mean, that, that, I think it's tough because I think those first two years of those contract are when he'll be really solid. And then maybe the last two, he's not great, but we'll have to wait. I, I think he's going to do well in Florida. Yeah. I really do. I, I think mean, he's got the perfect role in Florida because you already have Verhage, Barkov and Kachuk on the top line. He doesn't need to step in there or do anything unless someone gets hurt. He can play second line with Bennett or Reinhardt or go down with Lundell and Denisenko or anyone like that and be fine. He'll do exactly what he did here. He'll play wherever he's needed. Yep. And he'll thrive in it. I mean, good for him. He's gone for some, he's gone to some pretty good teams, teams he played yeah. on outside of the Sabres. Like that's a pretty good run for him there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's good for him to get a long, pretty long-term contract at four years at $3 million for a guy who a couple of years ago finished the season with nine points, like 10 points in half a season with Buffalo and Pittsburgh. He was a cast off from Buffalo. Not yeah. many guys who aren't like, the Reinhardt or the Eichels of the world get to be cast off from a team like the Sabres and have their career survive. Yeah, that's you nailed it right on the head there. So it good for good for Erod. I mean, that gamble on himself seemed to work. He got a pretty nice pay raise from it. So take it as it is. I would be okay with more players wanting to do that with the Avs if they just want to come and like just take it and maybe get a career and then go get paid on your next contract. Jonathan Druin. Yeah. Like that's that I'm totally cool with players taking those chances on us, but going to miss Erod, but he, he landed in a perfect spot for him. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
New customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN to bet $5 and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or fit or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per game. Eligible opt-in required. Max bet 50. 10 leg reg for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash baseball terms. Now, back to the episode. And you look at the the free agent class right now. I mean, it was week beforehand. Now you look at it, there's not too many great names left. The biggest one left is Tarasenko. I'm pretty surprised he's still on the board. Sounds like he had a contract with the Hurricanes fall apart. Now he's fired his agents. And so we'll see. I mean, do you think there's any chance in... the reports are he's getting like five to six million dollar offers. I, I I don't think there's any way the Avs. Right. I, I think they would much rather go sign two players for that money than one. Totally agree. But if it gets deeper into the month, maybe into August, it maybe. sounds like he likes the East Coast. I don't know if he'd want to come to Colorado. Yeah, that part yeah. I'm trying to just be delusional right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I mean, like I would take Tarasenko in a heartbeat, but I I just don't see a world where he's going to sign for. Oh. And he's less a, than he's a right million. wing. He's a right wing too. It's so yeah. perfect. He'd be great. Don't get me wrong. He'd be a great addition to the team, but I just don't think because he's got his cup. Like he's, he's good there. Like he, he, he's all about getting paid at this point. Yeah. It sounded like he wanted to stay in New York and maybe that's why he ended up firing his agent. Cause he couldn't stay in New York. It sounds like he had something in Carolina fall apart and he's in a weird spot right now where he's the, the big UFA without a chair to sit at once the music stops. And Probably costing him a lot of money. Yeah. Dude, how do the Hurricanes have this much fucking money? They just keep finding ways to sign people. It's very weird. Like they're they're in like they're the favorite right now on Eric Carlson somehow. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know how that's gonna work. I assume Pesci is gonna be thrown into that trade as well. But I think the Hurricanes, they just make such good use of their entry level deals. Like they still got Drury on entry level, Jarvis, Suzuki. And they don't like Orlov is such an anomaly for them on defense because we talked about it a few weeks ago where they just have such a clear structure on their defense in terms of salary. But like Eric Carlson, like, can you have Eric Carlson and Brent Burns on the same team? I know it's already been tried. didn't work very well. I don't know. It's it's just weird how they have like because I know like I think Natchez is expiring next year. Ajo's expiring next year. Pesci's expiring. Jarvis is going to need a deal. Like 
maybe this is like their one last like hoorah with all of this. But why why a defenseman, especially your big swing is Eric Carlson when you have Brent Burns and you just signed Orlov. Right. Why are you not taking more of a swing and getting some scoring? Forwards. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Maybe they just think if they prevent teams from scoring a goal ever that Well, I mean, to be fair, Eric Carlson's not the guy you do that with. Yeah, I mean, he's basically a forward at this point. So yeah, that's a good point. I just don't know. I mean, what is Carlson going to get in a trade? Like, what what could San Jose get back in for Carlson? I don't like because they're going to have to probably bring that down to eight million dollars at least for four more years. They're going to have to retain three million bucks. But once you do that, he just won a Norris. You would think that it would be a pretty hefty return, and even if it's not, it would be worth it just to clear that money. Yeah. Like, I agree. I just don't like a first and maybe a prospect. Pro- probably first, maybe a second. And then you probably like Carolina just has so many good prospects. Yeah. That they can just start throwing, pulling names out of a hat and throwing them into these trades. True. They just draft so well that I think they'd be fine. But I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting to see how that, that ultimately works out. And I'm very interested that they signed both freddie and ranta again when they have peter koshitkov under contract at two million dollars for four years i don't understand why they brought both back what was ranta's deal how long did they sign him for it was it was one year at 1.5 but it's also you signed koshitkov last year who's at like several points been the best of those right what did they sign freddie to sign him 3.4 for two years so i mean I, I mean, I see what they're doing, but I'm just interested that they brought back both. I mean, to be fair, probably Freddie and Rontar will get hurt at some point in the year. So they do need. You know time. what? That is a very safe bet because I think every single year they have played together, they have. Yes. So probably not a bad idea to invest in the goaltending a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> probably a pretty safe bet. But I mean, this offseason. We really hyped this thing up, and man, has this really been a sleeper. We were, I think we were just so eager for some abs news that we really hyped it up, and it's just been probably like the exact same offseason as we probably no, this, expected. This has been worse than other offseason. I think? Yeah. What's, what's been the big trade? Dubois. But that, that broke over the course of like five days. Yeah. And we had I mean, another big trade, like literally just fall apart with the Blues and the Flyers. Yeah. Were there big trades last year? There was a couple of them. I mean, you had the friggin' Kachuk trade. Yeah, that was a pretty big one. Yeah. I mean, compared to last year, you're probably right. But I mean, th- this I think is just typical offseason at this point. Like, we'll, there'll be a couple more signings as we go, but it, it's really nothing crazy, if you ask me. I mean, I guess to be fair, like, we don't know what's going on with Hellebuck. We don't know what's True. going on with Shifley. We don't know what's going on with Nylander. That could still be a thing. He apparently wants like $10 million on his next contract. And with the way the Leafs are structured, it's hard for him to not be asking that. So, I mean, those could very well still happen. Debrinkit's still going on as well. I mean, I, I just thought like some of these things would have happened by now. I thought so too. Uh, did you also see that Matthews is asking for 12.7 on his next deal? <laughs> I mean, just to be petty. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I guess if they, if it's it's not that, it's only a million point one more than his current deal. 
Yeah, it's not that bad. But yeah, he wants to be the highest paid player in the league. That's just going to be such a thing over the next. Oh, yeah. Like it's going to be 12.7 and 12.8. And then when McDavid's up, he's going to get like 16. Yeah, I think 16 is probably the starting point for him. He the, could be the, the first. Do you think it's crazy? I think McDavid could be the first $20 million player in the NHL. The starting point for McDavid is the maximum contract. Yeah. He's going to get the biggest contract that he is allowed to get. I just love the fact that the NHL, like the highest paid player is 12.5. And in any other sport, that's like the rotation guy. Yeah. <laughs> like like, what, like what, what even is that in the NBA? Are you even starting five, making 12 and a half? No, you're probably the seventh, eighth man off the bench. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, fucking Jeff Green, who was 36 years old, signed a one year, $6 million deal with the Rockets. Six million. Like, can you even imagine a one year, $6 million deal? Yeah. I mean, the closest the, we got was Bertuzzi. Yeah. And, and the best moment of like, just show you how different the NBA is from the NHL. Bruce Brown, who was a integral part of the Nuggets winning the championship, has been a six man's whole career, got $22 million for two years. From who? From us? The Indiana Pacers. Oh. Well, wow. got $22 million. I mean, show, shows how much I follow the NBA. That yeah. Like that's just, it, it that just always makes me laugh because McDavid should easily be making $20 million a year. Like yeah. minimum. He, even on his next contract, if we're talking maximum, I think by that point, he might be able to, if we're talking what, two, three years down the line from yeah. now, by that point, he might be able to do that. It's just going to be so funny when Nathan McKinnon's contract becomes a value contract again. It's 12.7 is not that bad. Yeah. It's real. Like I know it's technically the highest in the NHL right now. And I give it a few years. That's not going to be that bad. Yeah. He'll be like maybe cracking the top 10. Yeah. Cause like dry has got two years left. He's going to make more, whether he deserves to or not. That's I'm, I'm not here to debate that McDavid is going to make more. He's going to make, like, what even is the maximum right now? Like, 17? I think so. He didn't even sign the maximum when he signed this deal. I, yeah, he could take a discount and still make $18 million a year. Yeah, like, anything less than the maximum is a discount for Connor McDavid. <laughs> and after everything that this goddamn team has put him through, anyone who suggests that it would be selfish of him to ask for the maximum, no. It's Dude, I can't wait for that summer when he doesn't sign the contract and he plays out the year. Could you imagine if Connor McDavid becomes a free agent, how crazy that offseason is going to be? I mean, we, would, we wouldn't have to discuss details. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's he would literally be one of the few people that can just be like, I want to go here because everyone's offering me the same contract. Yeah, like I, I kind of want that selfishly just for the chaos. Yeah, it would be awesome. It would be great. And he gets out of Alberta. Yeah. Got 153 points last year and could have more than that this year. You would expect him to get 160. Like that, that's just yeah. an expectation for him. 175 so I, is probably on the table. That's going to be odd. I, I kind of want him to go to free agency now. I don't want him to sign the extension right when July 1st. That'd be 1st so hits. boring. I yeah. like that whole season would be so fun. And if you're the Oilers, you have to trade him, right? You cannot let him walk. I don't know, man. They're pretty fucking stupid. I think they'd play out the year and then just be like, <laughs> "That's very true." Like they would just go because who was the last big name? Like it, probably Tavares was the last one where it was like he played the whole year with the team and then left in free agency. I mean, Gaudreau, you can probably count as one. Yeah, it wasn't as high profile as that, but it. I mean, if he didn't sign in Columbus, I think we'd probably talk about it a little more. Yeah, but like Tavares is Tavares was the last big one. Tavares was a franchise face. He was yeah. the face of the Islanders. Gaudreau, 
he was one of the stars. One of, but yeah, it, it's it's going to be very funny, and hopefully the cap goes up. But if Matthews, like, I don't know why Matthews is in such a rush to sign. I mean, if I were him, I would play out this year, and then you could literally just wait till the end of the year. You could make if your concern is money. You could make so much money because he's probably right. signing low right now because he wasn't he wasn't, he wasn't amazing last year. Yeah, he's coming off the Hart Trophy, like oh. he, and a Rocket Richard. Like he didn't have a bad year, but you would have to imagine that if he plays out the year and has another Hart caliber year, he could make a lot more money. I mean, he's coming off of a season where he scored sixty goals and one hundred six points. Where this year he had forty and eighty five. You know, still pretty good, but still that's really not- good. That's not going to be like the $15 million that you probably could have gotten if you were a year earlier. Yeah. Like I, I just, I don't know what his rush is to sign. I, I would wait it out. I really would. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he is worried about his public image of like squeezing every cent out of it again, but also Dude, why do you, you only have a finite time to make money? Go make your fucking money. Yeah. And I, mean, like, the, I mean, the, the what $58 million he just made. I mean, you know, Chump change, right? Keep making it, bro. And then Nylander, he's probably the only one on the Leafs who you could argue deserves all the money because he's the only one who shows up in the playoffs. Right. But ten million is a lot for William Nylander. It's a lot. Ten million is a lot for William Nylander. It's gonna and the Leafs are already like eight million over the salary cap right now, or something yeah. like that. After they signed Domi and Bertuzzi earlier this week, yeah, they're eight point eight over the cap right now. They're talking like, oh, well, they're gonna dump Matt Murray. Is four point six million dollar contracts. Yeah. Uh, that math is not mathing right now. I mean, do they get rid of like? Oh I no! Think... Hold on, I was wrong. It's three because Muzzin. I thought Muzzin already counted towards that, but once you count Muzzin in, that's three. So they only have. They're only three million over the cap. Yeah, three point two. I mean, if you could move Nylander, like I think that's really their only option is to move Nylander. Well, once they get rid of Murray, they'll be fine. Oh yeah. Maybe just played out the year. I mean, the Leafs are in a spot where, like, I could easily see them trading for Nylander, but if they want a player who's going to affect their team that year, I, I don't think you move Nylander then. No. Man, you've done all this work trying to surround them with toughness and grit. Yeah. And I think it'd be, unless you're getting something worthy back for Nylander, which I just don't think happens at this point. No. This Not like, for one year. I don't know if there's going to be that appetite for another Huberto Kachuk trade on the market this year. That's a once every 10 years trade for NHL. Yeah. Teams. And it, it only worked out really well for one team in that trade. So, yeah. I mean, and there's still time for Huberto yeah. in Calgary. Maybe he can turn it around, but uh, returns are instant on Matt Kachuk. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Leafs are going to be very, very interesting this season. Can I just but... say, I have never been more tired of hearing about the Leafs than I am right now. Really? I don't like, even think it's that bad right now. I think it is unfucking bearable. The amount that I've heard about this team and Ryan Reeves planning parties, I cannot stress how much I don't care about how they're changing the culture. The, I have seen seven articles about how Ryan Reeves is going to come in here and change the culture and Max Domi, and he's wanted to be a Leaf for so long. I've heard nothing but that for like three days, and I'm so sick of it. Fair. You just follow all those people. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Usually, I am can. I'm pretty good at tuning out Leaf stuff, but it has been constant for the last several days, and it's just like they're 
doing normal moves. Like, I don't know why this is such a hub up right now. Yeah, uh, it's just new. News always better. I guess. I don't know. Like they, they, People are like, oh, this team, they look so much better. They look so much different. You look at it like, they're fine. They'll be a good team. They're fine. Can Samsonov repeat what he repeated last year? Who knows? Yeah. It's like, it, then they have to sign him first. Man, we'll like their, their defense still sucks. You don't just add John Klingberg and be like, everything's fine. I'd argue that makes Great. it worse. Yeah. You still have Mark close. Giordano, who's another year older. Yeah. You have Morgan Riley, who's meh. Meh. Brody, who's eh. Like, they're fine. I don't know. They're not winning a cup this year. No. No chance. No, no. chance. But it's the, same, it's the same Leafs. They're just a little, little different. But everything yeah. they do is on the scale of 12. Yeah, it is. It's weird that they're the number one team. Really weird. Uh, I did want to ask you, uh, I saw a video and I forgot to send it to you because I'm just a fucking loser that way. Uh, it was a guy predicting the USA roster for the 2026 Olympics. And I'm just going to say it. If that roster were to actually play out, I honestly think the United States would win the gold medal. See. The thing about that is that Canada would also have a pretty good roster too. They would, but the United States one was like the best. I think the United States would have been in a, or going to be in a very long time is with this roster. Like he had a line. His fourth line was Zegris Caulfield and uh, another U.S. developmental guy. Who was it? Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. I mean, there's a potential that you could have Matthew and Brady Kachuk on the same line. Yeah, he had he had Kachuk, both the Kachuks and Alex Tuck as the third line. That's nasty. Yeah, yeah. And I then mean, the top I mean, line was just. I'm not, gross. I'm not saying Team USA would not be disgusting and probably one of the best Team USA's we've ever seen. Also, the people who run Team USA would actually have to build that team and actually put all the good players together. And we've seen with international hockey, for some reason, they just don't do that. Yeah, they just be like, you know what we need? We need a third liner on the Islanders to play a third line role or something like, I don't know. They overthink it. The one weakness this guy had, and I actually thought it was a good point was our, our sixth defenseman would not be that great. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're talking like, is Zach Wierenski going to be that? Yeah, He had Brett Pesci in there. It's fine. Yeah. But I mean, McAvoy Hughes. Uh, I mean, the thing about trying to predict it six years or not six, I'm sorry, like three years three, four years ahead of time is like, there's players that we just don't know about right now that are going to break out and break into that. So I think it's more noteworthy, like try to predict rosters if it were to happening this year. Yeah. They need to bring the world cup back, dude. Or like bring back cup. international hockey. Something Why is this so hard? Oh, if, this if, is I, the freest advertising the league ever gets. And they, and they just love like, it. No. This, this really gets sparked because on NHL Network, they had a documentary about the United States upsetting Canada in like the World Cup of Hockey. Imagine that, like moments that live on forever. Like yeah. look at the last time we've had international hockey in the Olympics. Like even though it didn't go great for the U.S., you had an overtime game for the gold medal that's going to live on in history. You had the United States in the shootout against Russia. It's almost that was cool. 10, it's almost 10 years old and we still talk about Jesus it. And it was Christ, awesome. Man. Why did we not bring this back more? And the more and more I think about it, the fact that Team Canada could roll out three centers of McDavid, McKinnon, and Bedard is pretty gross. McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, Point, Bedard. Do you think Crosby will still be playing in 2026? I'm talking 2023, but I mean like oh. right now. But I mean like I mean Sidney fucking Crosby. If he's still playing, he's going to be on the team. So yeah, and then their D pair would be Kale McCarr. Honestly, like if it, if it was 2023, 
would Bedard not only make that team, would he be a center? Like, imagine you put him on the wing, but with McDavid. Well, because who would be the centers for Canada? It'd be McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby. Point. Yeah, point. Like, throw whoever you want in there. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, th- the thing about Team Canada gross. is, like, they have a million centers. Is it like it could be McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, Bergeron, Barzell, Tavares, Shifley, Point, Bedard. <laughs> <laughs> Their whole team is just fucking centers. Yeah. And then the wingers, you just throw Mark Stone in there every once in a while. It's ridiculous. And like Who, yeah, the he, only thing that Canada would struggle with, I don't know if they have really like a solid goaltender. They don't. It's like Kemper, like Carter Hart. Yeah. I mean, Kemper's probably better than Carter Hart. Yeah. Well, well, their their D pairs would be McCarr. McCarr, Taze, Petrangelo, Theodore, Hamilton, Morrissey, Shabbat, Ekblad, probably several more in there too. I mean, the D's not great, yeah. but their forwards are fucking <laughs> insane, dude. Yeah. That's not that even, that's not even including like Chikrin, Dowdy, Uyghur, like Morgan Wright. Like teams that like probably wouldn't even make Team Canada or like Nugent Hopkins. Like I think Ryan O'Reilly would make it, but Depends. Just for his defensive effort. Yeah. Because USA would roll out like you'd, you'd have Jack Hughes for sure as a center. Yeah. Matthews, huge. Tage Thompson, probably too. Tage Thompson. Would you still throw Joe Pavelski in there? I would just because he's such a dog. Yeah. And he'd be great. You'd have Robertson in there. The Kachucks, Gaudreau's, Kyle Connor. Dude, I, team, I think we could do it. I think I, we could. I'm not saying we couldn't do it, but. No, no, fuck it. We can do it. We win. I think we could. Yeah. I think our goaltending alone would I mean, if we're talking 2026, it's more than likely Ottinger and Hellbuck's probably a little bit too old. Yeah. Probably. But we'd have the great advantage of goaltending. The defenseman, I think, outside of Makar for Canada, I don't know if we could match the Kale Makar for Team Canada. But I, I don't know, man. I just saw that TikTok and I was like, damn, I really would kill for some international hockey right now. It'd be so cool to have any sort of international competition. Cause we've only talked about USA and Canada. Like imagine. Oh yeah. Team Sweden, Sweden would be gross. Sweden, Finland at this yeah. point would be gross. Russia would still be good just cause they're Russia and they got a if, lot of fucking, if they're allowed, if they were, to play. If they were allowed. Yeah. Um, you think Val would make the team for team Russia? I would think so. Yeah, I would think so too. I think he's one of the top yeah. 12 players in Russia. Like, like what would be some other good, countries to throw in there finland would i think would be the sneaky one finland finland has a Finland might win like finland yeah. would probably win the whole thing yeah finland's just a bunch of really good players like yeah. they're all and they've all been playing together their entire lives so it's like miko ranton's on the top line would you say probably sebastian aho is the other the center just center that line they've got so maybe many barkoff it probably barkoff barkoff yeah, you, well, you're asking you're asking me to run through like so many players nationally I know. right now but it's like but I know for a fact that they're – I think Berkey makes the Sweden team, which is all I care about. Yeah, Berkey and Landy being back on there would be sick. Very handsome team, by the way. Uh, the best-looking team. Yeah. It, team it's Sweden. not even fair how yeah. good looking team, team Sweden wins on the runway, for sure. Yeah, they they would for sure win. But I, I don't know. I'm, I just really – do you think they actually would have gone in 2022 if it wasn't for the crazy COVID rules? Because I don't think they actually would have gone. I think they would have found a way. I would like so? the, the optimist in me as small as it usually is. I think they would have found a way because they were so close, even with everything, even yeah. with all of the restrictions, they still almost did. They built in the Olympic break. 
they I did, think, and they I actually they didn't they name players like that they were going to be on the team. They named like the captains or whatever, or like the first few guys to because Landeskog was on Sweden. I think Ranson yeah. was on Finland. Yeah, I think but, I think they would have done it. I just I I don't know. Part of me just thinks I think they were looking for any excuse not to do it. Yeah, I mean it was a pretty good excuse. Yeah, There's it a was pandemic going on, and it's also in China. Who's not yeah. doing uh, great on freedom right now? Yeah, so. I don't know. I just it's like the, the the risk of testing positive there was just too great. It was it was too great because where even are the twenty twenty six Olympics? Are they in Italy? I think the summer ones might be in Italy coming up soon. I don't know when the the winter ones are. It's going to be in Switzerland. Oh, that could be fun. The Switzerland yeah. the Swiss might not have a bad team either. No, they may not. That is going to be very interesting. But, I mean, that's... I, I just... I need some type of international hockey. And the players want it. So I I beg the players in the next contract negotiations for the CBA, make sure you can fucking go to the Olympics or start the World Cup. Because, like, the first highlight of Nathan McKinnon for a lot of people was that goal when he was on Team North America in overtime against Hendrik Lundqvist. Like, that was fucking awesome. And it took place, what, like three weeks before the season started? Was it three, Was it really in August? I think it was because that I think they, that they didn't have familiar. like an NHL preseason. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, they didn't have a preseason. I went to one of those games in, in DC, like one of like the pre-tournament games. Because didn't Canada won it, but they beat like Team Europe, if I yeah, remember. Yeah, they beat right. Team Europe and it was they almost played Team North America, which yeah. would have been so much fun. Oh, dude, the team the team North America, you look back on it, it's like Jesus Christ, that team could we be. We will a lot never, we will never. In the history of hockey, have anything that fun again? Team North America was too good to be true, dude. It was great. I I just I crave for it, and I I think I speak for every fan that's like international hockey is sometimes better than normal hockey. I would argue it is because it's just so rare, and you get everyone very clearly defined on their sides. Yeah, and you cheer for players that you normally hate. Like you know, I remember back when everyone's into it. Every, yeah. Everyone you know is into it. Even if they don't watch the NHL, they'll watch the Olympics. That's yeah. the main. It's the main event of the Winter Olympics, and we haven't had it in like ten years. Because was it twenty? Was Vancouver twenty twelve? That was twenty ten. Was that twenty ten? Yeah. Twenty twelve was Beijing for the summer. Yeah, that was the summer, and then we had twenty fourteen in Russia. Yeah, they didn't go to that one, or did they go to that one? Yeah, they no, did. they did was, go to that, that one. Was, yeah. That was the Oshi shootout. Yeah, didn't and they... then after that, they just didn't go anymore. Yeah, USA lost in the semifinals, didn't they that year? Really, the only thing I remember is the the shootout. Honestly, yeah. I don't I don't remember anything else. Yeah, I just I, I saw that video and I was like, God damn! I just I want fucking international hockey, dude. Look at how long we've talked about this, and we're talking the earliest this could happen is three years from now. Yeah, this is it's it's just such a layup to do. This. It is such a layup. Um, because I remember they were talking about the World Cup of Hockey. And they were like, we'll revisit it in 2025. And it's like, what? What the why, fuck? Are you why about? one year before the Olympics? At that point, just wait. I, I don't know. It's so. Yeah. Good. I mean, the first NHL article when I look it up is it won't be held in 2024, which is like, why? Why? This is such easy money. It is. Every, it is. Everyone but the owners wants this. The players want it. The fans want it. It's such free marketing. Well, and it's the thing too, it. like, like, honestly, I wouldn't like, 
Like, imagine if McKinnon or McCarr got hurt playing for Team Canada and they missed the rest of the regular season. Yeah, that would suck and it would piss me off. But I'd also like that's the risk you take when you like I would rather watch good international hockey than I potentially uh, I don't know. I kind of talked myself into like seeing a reason why they wouldn't do it because it would suck to not win a Stanley cup. If the fact like Nathan McKinnon tore his ACL in the Olympics, if Nathan McKinnon decided to go to the Olympics and got hurt, you know what? He made his choice. Yeah. He made the decision. He knew the risks. His teammates understood the risks. It's once every four years. Yeah. And you don't get to compete for your country very often. And like the thing with it too, like, even in baseball, they did that World Baseball Classic this year. That was fucking awesome. Like, that's probably the only baseball games I've watched just the World Baseball Classic so far this but year. But to your point, didn't someone on the Mets, like, just... Oh, yeah, he tore his knee up. Yeah, he tore... Team. And it was such a... He tore it celebrating a win. Yeah. Like, like that was a freak injury. Like, that right. that, 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 that was... It's like... It's not every year. If it was every year, I would totally understand. But it's once every four years, and it is... From the NHL's perspective, you have to understand that this is the most eyes the sport ever gets. Nothing you will ever, no product you will ever put out there will be better than the Olympics. And when people come back, you will have more eyes on your product than you could ever do yourself. My only requirement is if 2026 and Doc Emmerich has to call it. Yeah. That, that's my only requirement if it happens. Can't be on ESPN. No, I, it's on NBC no matter what. Right, exactly. So, so. so we know it'll be a good product because we know NBC knows how to produce hockey. Yeah. Um, hopefully they don't forget yeah so i i just i really want it because it was wasn't it Tavares who fucked up his knee in the 2014 olympics that kind of fucked was everything it, up was it stamkos it was stamkos or Tavares. it was one of them i know stamkos like shattered his leg in the olympics badass yeah but yeah that was really the reason why it didn't happen it's like that that was the reason why that they pushed against it but I think if you were to ask Stamkos and Tavares, like, was it worth it? They'd say, fuck yeah, it was worth it. Like, that was awesome. Yeah, so, so, yeah, we went on like a 20-minute tirade there, but I, I just saw that video and I was like, I need international hockey in my yeah. life. I mean, we got we had nothing else to talk about anyway. So, I think we're all I don't think I have anything else after that tirade. Nope. I think we're all set for this one, so we're going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code TELLITABSITIS on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay. And you can follow the show at TELLITABSITIS. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go Abs.